mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, hello, and welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. It is Wednesday, July 12th. It is an exciting day for sports fans of women's football everywhere because my very good friend, comedian Maisie Adams, and I teamed up to join Jill Scott for a League of Their Own Lioness special. Leading up to the World Cup, uh, you might know, or you might be like me and might not know about football at all, you might know that the women's England football team, the Lionesses, did very well and won the Euro. Uh, Don't know when that was. I don't know when that was last year and they did so well that everyone got really excited and remember they were singing Sweet Caroline in all the pubs well basically they are in with an amazing shot at taking home the World Cup and we wanted to find out more about football Maisie Adams already loves football I do not know anything about really any sport and infamously I don't care where the ball goes So I was asked to join and try to find out if I could become a football fan. And it was just so much fun. So funny. I am obsessed with Jill Scott. Jill Scott, if you're not a football fan, you will at least know her. If you're a television fan from I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here on ITV. She came out queen of the jungle. And now she is a new team captain on A League of Their Own on Sky, and she's just so funny and so warm and so northern and so fun. So I hope that you watch our A League of Their Own Lioness special tonight on Sky, or now, my favorite now, if you don't have Sky, and you can probably watch it, um, you know, after tonight if you're busy. Maybe you're busy. We're all very busy. Busy, busy, busy. I had a busy morning, um basically accompanying a small child to take a shit in my trunk. And I can't recommend, I mean, this won't be an official ad for the Land Rover. I can't even tell you what type of Land Rover. I'm not even sure I have a a Land Rover. I think it says Discovery somewhere on it. Um, I think that's what I have. And (laughs) we have a seven-seater now because ever since having Fena, we realized that our five-seater was too small for the whole family. If we've got Violet and a friend or bags or the dogs, you could squeeze it just about in. But no, we got rid of that car and we got a seven-seater. And there was an emergency loo request. But, you know, these kids have a really on-the-ball mom. I always bring the potty with us. I have a portable potty seat that you can put on any public toilet, but Fred doesn't really like public toilets, so I also bring like the actual potty in the boot. And uh, yeah, Bobby pulled over, and I scooted Fred into the back, and he and I sat in that boot, um, and he sat on the potty, and uh, we read books, and I mean, it's very comfortable. I was like, this, I basically drive a motorhome at this point. Like, it's not safe to do, but you could drive somewhere. And hang out in that boot. I mean, if you were growing up in Sarnia, where I'm from, you probably would do that. It was so roomy back there, spacious. I was sat cross-legged on the floor with plenty of headroom. And Fred was sat on the potty with plenty of headroom. It was so convenient. It was absolutely great. I feel like I need to decorate the back like some sort of... I mean, you could camp in it. You really could. 
but I digress. Again, not an official Land Rover ad. Like, it's so luxurious and comfortable, you can take a shit right in the boot. Actually, I was going to tell you about this later in the podcast, but it's very relevant now. So there's a little branded segment in the podcast today, and I hope you enjoy it. This next section of Telling Everybody Everything is brought to you by Who Gives a Crap. Their super long loo rolls are made from 100% recycled paper or bamboo. They're good for the planet, so your bum can uncrap the world. Every day, over 1 million trees are cut down to make traditional toilet paper. Forests are destroyed to make products we just flush down the toilet. Who Gives a Crap thought that was pretty pants. So they started making toilet paper that can help reduce deforestation. It's easy to get overwhelmed by all the crap news in the world, but making the switch to who gives a crap is easy. It's a small change that can help make a big difference for the environment. So I'm about to do a five minute long branded segment now for who gives a crap toilet paper and premium toilet paper, aka loo roll. So strap in. This could go absolutely anywhere. I've spoken confidently on a lot of subjects, but never for this long about anything poo-related. But I do have small children now. My husband and I used to send sweet messages or lovely gifts, romantic emojis back and forth. Now it's just the kids' movements, pics of that, just proudly displayed at the bottom of their gender-neutral potty. They share it. Not the older child, though. Violet's room does have an all-sweet. Due to having these kids and being their geriatric mother, of course I'm thinking more and more about the planet and what kind of world they will inherit when I die under the knife. So I was thrilled to learn that who gives a crap prevents any additional trees from needing to be cut down, as it's made from recycled paper. So, you know, old textbooks, probably even magazines with pictures of my face. And let's talk about the packaging. Pretty cute, super colorful. It'll make any guest to your bathroom take notice. Like, wow, this family truly gives a crap about details and interior design, am I right? Who Gives a Crap is a cheaper cost per sheet than leading brands. It's biodegradable with carbon neutral shipping and 50% of profits from all their products go directly to charity partners who work in water, hygiene, and sanitation. You're helping millions of people gain access to clean water just by using the loo. And that got me thinking, what are some small changes that I've made to have a positive impact on my life and on the planet? Hmm, I drive, and my car is diesel, so I know that's bad, but I drive very little. I walk, I take public transport with my kids most of the time. That's a lot, every day, and if you don't believe me, you can see it on my social media. Everybody knows KR on the bus. Just yesterday, I was getting on the bus with my two littlest children when I saw my teenager angrily walking towards us all the way from home after a workout. I asked her to meet us on the high street, but then I changed my mind because the kids were kind of losing it, so I started to go home. I texted her. I told her I was leaving, but she was already nearly there, and it was so hot. I'm so close with the driver that when I requested he wait for my daughter, he obliged, and he even gave her two little honks to hurry up. She mimed, no. I'm hungry, then continued at pace to the high street and went to McDonald's alone, humiliated by a 14-year-old on my own local bus route. So that one's no good. Uh, What else? Oh, I do not shop fast fashion. I borrow a lot of clothing for work, and I basically wear one outfit the rest of the time. I just wear a basic tracksuit. 
and that's it. If something's torn, I mend it. I donate lots of old looks to charity shops. If I've read a book, I always leave it somewhere for someone else to have it. Yeah, I, I try to be sustainable in my life and certainly in my fashion choices. Also, I eat all the leftovers out of the fridge. No food goes to waste in our house, and that is thanks to breastfeeding, so sort of thanks to me. There are no ingredients that I cannot make a suitable meal out of. I love cooking at home, but I especially love what my husband Bobby cooks at home, and I rarely get takeaway or waste perishable items. I buy exactly what we need. Well, I buy exactly what I need, which I guess is a lot, but I eat all of it. My greed is borderline heroic. What are you doing to have a positive impact? Let me know. Uncrap the world by getting your very own box of recycled or bamboo loo rolls delivered straight to your door and get 10% off your first order by using the code Catherine. Some of you still don't know how to spell my name. It's nine letters, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at whogivesacrap.org. That's whogivesacrap.org. Your bum and bathroom will thank you. Um, yeah. And then I was reading some text from my mom. She has sent me this article about a 52-year-old woman. Like, sort of, I'm not really understand. My mom sends me articles sometimes and I don't know why. But this one, I mean, is pretty self-explanatory. It's a 52-year-old woman who decided to get the HPV vaccine, human papilloma virus. This vaccine uh, is offered routinely in schools to... Anyone younger than me, actually, I think I was the first year where they started giving it to grade sevens or grade eights. But if you're older than I am, which is I was 40 last month. Oh, this is my first podcast as a 40 year old. It's fine. It doesn't feel different. I'm just as knackered as ever. Um, Then if you're having a divorce or something, then presumably any new sexual partner that you have would be over the age where they offered that vaccine. And certainly they didn't offer it to the boys until very recently. So you don't want HPV for a variety of reasons. There are different kinds of HPV. Some of them might just be a virus that your immune system deals with and you never know, you you know, you don't have any symptoms. You could have dormant HPV virus for years and years and never had symptoms until you're run down or your hormones change and you hit menopause. You never know. But it can cause genital warts. It can also cause changes to your cervical cells that give you cervical cancer. It can cause throat cancer. And I suppose, like, maybe it can give you cancer in your butt. Not really sure. But um, (laughs) you don't want HPV. And if you do have HPV, that's fine. You just have to keep on top of it and get loads of cervical smears. So this woman, my my mom sent me this article. This woman's like, I'm divorced. I'm going to have loads of sexual partners. I want the HPV vaccine. And here are my reasons. And, like, fair play. But, I mean... I don't think I would bother at 52. And she raises a good point. She's like, you know, women aren't unfuckable at my age. Like, we're still going to date and meet partners. Well, yes, yes. And the vaccine isn't really tested on that age group, so they don't know really how effective it is, but it certainly doesn't hurt. I just feel like if she got HPV, though, then she would have cervical smears and her cells, you know, your cells develop. They multiply quite slowly past a certain age. I just don't really think she has time to get cervical cancer like she might get abnormal cells but they would catch it in a smear I don't know know. I suppose if she's going to live another 50 years she could get cervical cancer in that time I don't know how hard this woman plans on going like she didn't really include in the article exactly how much banging she intends to do with how many people 
But statistically, the more sexual partners that you have, the more exposed you are to HPV. And people will know, I've spoken about it before on stage, I have HPV. I got it recently from someone that I married, and I think, and, or like, who knows, maybe I had it, it was dormant for ages. But I haven't had a cervical smear in two years. And I had HPV positive for the first time ever, like maybe four years ago. And then I didn't have any changes to cervical cells. I didn't require any lasering or anything else. It was just like, oh, you have HPV and you have like this beginning of changes. So keep an eye on it and your immune system might just solve it. So then my immune system cleared it and I did not have HPV in the following smear. So fine. But then I thought, all right, that was right after Fred was born, was my last smear, literally like July 2021, exactly two years ago. And I rang up my GP and I went, you know what? I've had another baby since then. Time has passed. I have HPV. We know that just because my last smear was normal. You know, I would like to get another smear again. And the nurse was like, no, she was actually very nice. She was super nice. But she was like, no, you can't. And I was like, uh okay and she's like you can't get it until it's been three full years and I was like oh well do you think like there's a way that I could pay you to get it like I don't really want it for free I understand that like the NHS is strapped and all that but if I go to my private doctor I have to go all the way into London for a colposcopy which is a big inconvenience to me uh p.s it's 800 pounds yeah and she's like, no, well, if you really want to get a smear, if you have reasons to believe like that you need one, then uh, you need to go to your nearest sexual health clinic. And I thought to myself, what? TV's Catherine Ryan is not going to rock up at the local STI clinic with my two small kids, Violet, and just be like, everyone just chill out in the waiting room, sign a few autographs, pop in. And now I'm not trying to say that I'm like Taylor Swift famous, but people do know me when I go places, especially if I speak, if they hear my voice, or certainly if they see my kids. So, I mean, that's just not an option for me. And I know, like, I'll, I mean, I'll just have to go to the private doctor or wait a year, but I feel like three years between smears is a really long time when you have tested positive for HPV, right? I mean, maybe three years if you have never had an abnormal smear. That makes sense, but if you have had one, but I guess the doctors just say, no, it takes a really long time for these cells to multiply. But I'm not sure I believe that because one of my girlfriends had to have a radical hysterectomy due to cervical cancer cells from HPV very recently. And I don't think she went three years between her smears. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I don't think it was three years. I don't like it. This is your friendly reminder just to get a cervical smear if you can. If you are anonymous enough to pop into the local STI clinic, there's no shame in going there. I mean, I should go there, really. If I really want to destigmatize getting STI checks, I should just put the babies in the double buggy and wheel myself down. Because the alternative is going all the way to central London. And... This hospital has pissed me off, and I didn't act pissed off at all, but Fenna had an appointment that was canceled once and rebooked, and then I took her for the rebooked appointment in this private, fancy hospital that is very expensive and it's meant to be first class all the way, and I arrived there after taking a baby on public transit at rush hour, and they were like, oh, well, we didn't put the appointment in the system correctly. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right. 
and there's nothing they can do at that point. I mean, look, my child is healthy and the children who had appointments that day might have had serious health concerns, you know? So I was not going to put my foot down and be like, I've brought this baby in. You need to fit her in. No, like the kids who were there, they need their appointment. It's not their fault that the lady fucked up mine. And she's like, well, you can wait maybe 40 minutes, maybe longer. And babies are just so regimented with their nap schedules. Plus I had to work that afternoon. Bobby and I will probably be very briefly as usual um, appearing unless we did a better job on this Friday evening's episode of Celebrity Gogglebox. But I had just enough time to take Fenna for her appointment and then to get to Gogglebox and I had to leave. So that was like a two and a half hour round trip with traffic for nothing, nothing. And now I'm gonna have to go there again. I mean, maybe this is why you want the HPV vaccine uh, if you don't already have it. It's like, well, I don't know, because you have to get cervical smears anyway, don't you? It's amazing how much admin goes into being a woman. Just extra things, extra appointments, even getting your teeth cleaned. And if you are on television as I am, or you like getting your hair and nails done, like those things are no longer relaxing luxuries for me. They're a pain in my ass. I got my hair colored yesterday, which I believe is my responsibility. It's very polite to look nice for you because I'm invited into your living room if I'm lucky, into your bedroom, into your kitchen when you watch telly, into your smartphone, whatever the hell. And I try to look my best. So, I mean, it's just my job. My friend Danny, um, he is so talented. He does my hair. I love the color that he does. He does these beautiful blondes. He's just like a buttery blonde. And you can get blonde wrong. You can get it way wrong. Um, I share him on my Instagram. If you want to follow him, look on there. He came around to do my color, but we got chatting. We ran out of time. I had a meeting. I had to run into London with wet hair. And then on the way out, I was like, well, I still need it cut. And I have a few minutes. The meeting ended early. Don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. But um, a wonderful, wonderful salon called Hair and Bone in Soho, where my friend Sam works. Um, well, I think he owns it, actually. Yes, he does. Um, that was like just across the street. And I walked in and I said, listen, I know how crazy this sounds. And everyone here is busy, but do you have time for a cut? And they did. So then I got my hair cut at Hair and Bone, colored by Danny in the morning, meeting in the middle, cut in Soho in the afternoon. And this is how I have to fit in my personal care appointments. If only hair and bone could do scans, baby appointments, smears. Like how come the NHS and even private hospitals cannot have the same same standard of service as a Soho award-winning LGBTQAI plus friendly hair salon? I don't know. I have a feeling that a lot of you are not going to like my take on this Jonah Hill drama of the week. I am a feminist. I always stick up for women when I can. And I am also anti-cancel culture. I think accountability is important. And when celebrities behave in a, in a certain way that goes public, we can often use them as models for what goes on in our own lives. And it teaches lessons and people recognize their own relationships and they can come away from it and go, oh, okay. But we don't just have discussions anymore. There's no nuance anymore. It's like if someone is pulled up on their behavior, then that person could risk you know, never working again. And if you were offline 
July 7th and July 8th, you might not have seen that Hollywood actor Jonah Hill has been like effectively, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know how canceled he'll be, but the internet is pissed off because his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, has published texts between them, quote, as a warning to all girls. And she's called him a narcissist. And it's been deemed emotional abuse, what went on between these two. And the fact of the matter is, you never really know what goes on in a relationship. Only the people in that relationship know what goes on. And there's a truth that usually lies somewhere in the middle of the two stories, though not always. And I think that definitely a Hollywood actor is probably weird by my standards, probably is quite insecure most of the time. I mean, not everyone, but generally would maybe be self-absorbed and have boundaries and expectations in their relationship that I would find unacceptable. That is one of the many reasons why I am not dating a Hollywood actor. When two people enter into a relationship, uh, you know, I feel like trying to change the other person is a fool's errand. And I think that in this case, I don't think, look, I don't think he is as bad as everyone's saying. And I also don't think that she is without fault for staying in this relationship when he respectfully a few times was like, if you can't do what I want in a relationship, then you need to not be in a relationship with me. On the same hand, I think she's 25 and he's like in his 40s. Why are you dating a 25-year-old girl? It's going to be a mismatch. Usually you are setting yourself up for problems. If you're confused, I'm going to read you the text now to tell you exactly what went down. But may I say before I do, I think that if Sarah Brady's motivation was truly to have a conversation about emotional abuse and about toxic relationships and narcissism and a quote warning to all girls, I think you can often do that without publishing private texts. I do think that that seems a bit far for me. You know, I've talked about past relationships that I've had. I don't use names and I'm not talking about super famous people. I think that if I had a problem with an ex and I knew that he was of the caliber of fame that like if I used his name, I just I just don't use names anyway. But if you do, you have to know in this climate online what is going to happen to him and is the sentence fitting of the crime. You know, I'm using the word crime as a metaphor. He didn't commit any crimes. All right, these are the texts. These are the texts. Dated December 2nd, 2021, that uh, Sarah Brady, Jonah Hill's ex, alleges he wrote to her. Quote, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places from your wild recent past beyond getting lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there are no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you are based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. 
She also revealed that he told her, you're right, we can't do surf social things or develop trust until you consider me and make decisions that give regard to our relationship. I have been vulnerable as possible and I'm telling you, I'm needing you to step up to the plate, which you can, I'm sure of it. But these losers don't get your time if you want me. Straight up, it's consideration. The text continued. I respect your love of surfing, but I respect myself as well. And your love of surfing and being in those situations and lack of awareness are not mutually exclusive. This isn't me. I have my own issues that I own. But if you want marriage and a family, you can't use the 25 card. Step up and cut shit. These people don't get your time or your kindness at the sacrifice of mine. As a postscript in the Insta story, she added, by these people, he meant any friend of mine that he hadn't personally approved of. There's more. Respect however you want to live your life and you only get one. Sort of done explaining myself. Oh, and then she replied, three removed, not the video yet. It's my best surfing video. Would you feel better if the cover frame was different? Any more specific ones that bother you? He responded, yes, one that your ass isn't in a thong. (laughs) Oh, God. Another detailed how he said, oh, and modeling, which is the last professional I would be with a partner but LOL must be hard feeling so trapped. She replied, well, maybe you should have asked me more about what I do for work before you decided to date me then, a little late now. He responded, keep taking me for granted. Go model, it's a fulfilling life, you'll love it. Real depth and substance and sustainability for relationships, but actually I'm done with this convo. And the thing is, look, these two shouldn't have been dating each other. They're a mismatch, that's that. And he is, I think, trying to be respectful. I, I really, look, and you can disagree with me. I don't think the behavior is great. But would I call Jonah Hill an abuser for these sort of text messages to his girlfriend? No. Like, I think that in every relationship, people need to be clear. Yeah, ideally right in the beginning, not in the middle of the relationship after a year or whatever. But they need to go, look. I am of an age that I'm trying to lay low and get married and have kids and I'm not really comfortable having a partner who is a professional surfer, who's out modeling, who's out making uh, time late at night, having loads of friendships with people that I don't know. That makes me feel insecure. But then perhaps, well, what I would have done is I wouldn't have been in a relationship with either of these people at my age. Maybe at 25, though, I would have. Maybe if I'm this girl, I go, Jonah Hill is really interesting and he's smart and he's a movie star. He's really successful. He likes me and he seems okay in the beginning, maybe with all this surfing. And I know that it's very difficult to get out of any relationship when you're in love. But I just think they shouldn't have been in the relationship. If I'm Jonah Hill, I see a 25-year-old professional surfer and model and I go, yeah, she's going to have fun and travel the world and be out late at night and that doesn't match me I'm 40 I want to have kids and all these things like but these conversations I think could have happened privately and you know he suffers from mental health issues and anxiety in the past you know I've seen him be very public about that and it's just the internet is a whole different beast. Like if someone acts like a dick, I will say like maybe he's acting like a dick, but if someone acts like a dick, as soon as you publish text and you turn it into this big internet conversation, all of a sudden it really is like they've committed a crime and people are like, oh my God, like there are so many articles 
and this podcast and so many podcasts. You know, like it's just everyone has been talking about it all week. And I think, again, it's great to have a conversation and to go, do you recognize these um, attempts to control your behavior or create boundaries in your own relationship or change you? Then you should respectfully walk away. You should go, you know what? I'm not willing to drop my friends. I'm not willing to post pictures approved by you on my socials. I'm not willing to do that. It's done. And it sounds to me like he said, I respect you. Go live your life and do that. Like these two were just, and I've been there before too, trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. It's like, but we love each other. Let's make it work. Well, if you change this and if I change that. And the reality is you act like a dick to someone who's not right for you because it's very frustrating. Maybe this guy is a prick. I don't know Jonah Hill. I'm just saying from the specific examples that have been shared, I didn't see him saying, you will do this. No one else will want you. I am the best that you can ever get. You have to do this to be with me. You Do you know what I mean? There's a nuance there where he said, these are my boundaries. And if you cannot respect them, then please live your life. No hard feelings. He really said that. And he's like, but if you want to be in a grown-up relationship with me, then these things make me uncomfortable. I don't know. Am I wrong? Am I just old-fashioned? Can you not say that in a relationship? I think there's a very subtle but very important difference. What are your thoughts? See, I told you, I warned you at the beginning, you're going to be mad at me. You're going to go, Catherine, this is what I'm envisaging. A lot of you will say, you say, he it is abusive. It's trying to control her and disguising misogynistic behavior as boundaries and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I feel like I, I don't think it's good behavior. I just don't think that it's unforgivable behavior. What do you think? Please send me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I'm actually going to check the inbox now. Let's see what questions, dilemmas, comments, and reactions you had to last week's podcast are in there right after these messages from our sponsors. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's a trigger warning now for child sex abuse. Last week, there was a listener who wrote in about to get married and she had distanced herself from a family relative that she doesn't really want at the wedding, but equally, she doesn't want to tell everyone what happened because she's fearful of ramifications of that. And I think that this is something that affects a lot of survivors of abuse. Specifically, this woman was afraid her dad was going to kill this guy. And that is a legitimate fear. And she was afraid of so many more things. It's so complex. And again, 
I know that you're getting therapy. I hope that you continue to work through the trauma of this terrible, terrible thing that is not your fault now and was never your fault then, whatever you decide to do in terms of disclosing it. But sadly, there are lots of people in the inbox who have experienced something similar. And I think that this is a a very candid reply uh, from someone who laid out the pros and cons of disclosing her own abuse. She said, Catherine, pros, the family knowing about the trauma has enabled them to be more understanding and patient with me about subsequent mental health issues that I've had, i.e. substance abuse, eating disorders, because drama breeds more drama, lol. The abuser is out of my life for good. That's another pro. The abuser is presumably on the sex offenders list and is bound by whatever limitations that imposes. And the fact that he went to prison does help me with the feelings of shame and self-blame that still crop up. Okay, here are the cons. My mom and sister have never recovered from the trauma of finding out. I honestly feel that I have ruined their lives. You don't need me to tell you that you did nothing to ruin their lives. Do you know what I mean? Like this abuser inflicted pain and trauma upon you and by doing so he also inflicted pain and drama upon your family members it was not you who made them feel this way and you know this uh intellectually i know that but i'm going to tell you again it's heartbreaking to think that this listener might have the man at her wedding i hope she finds a way to banish him i'm worried about something as small as the vows at my wedding as i still have my abuser's surname and i don't like people using it I have looked into changing it, but it was very triggering for my mom and sister and more drama ensued there. So I can't even imagine having to consider the abuser being present at my wedding. I don't know if this list of pros and cons will help, but thank you for reading. Someone also wrote in last week about trying to get help for their mom who was really deteriorating mentally and didn't feel that she had a problem. And I mean, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be, but someone luckily has advice. Catherine, I've just been through a terrible time with my 17-year-old son who has had his section lifted. Your listener's mom sounds like she really needs help. So we went to A&E. To be fair, I only managed to persuade him to go as he had a physical injury. But if she could get her mother to A&E and explain quietly, so not like her mom can hear, what the real reason to be there is, she should get a mental health assessment, be prepared to wait all night, and can be sectioned if needed. This sounds like a really scary thing, but it just means that she will get the help she needs at a specialist hospital. Maybe she could even say she needs to go to A&E for herself if it's the only way to get her mom there. My son was so angry with me for taking him. We were stuck in A&E for 16 nights as beds for young people are few and far between. And it was awful. But now he's so much better that he doesn't blame me anymore. He has just been discharged after several months at a specialist hospital. I tried calling different numbers and the crisis team, but the only way we actually got any help was by going to A&E. It's not fun. It's horrible. But it is worth it in the end to get the right treatment. So that to me sounds like, you know, a real tangible thing that you can do and it's a nightmare for you. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this, but thank you so much to the listener who has found a way to get her son the treatment. And I'm like, it's so great also to hear on the other side when you're like, and he's not mad anymore. And he was furious for a while. Yes. But ultimately you saved his life. And if you hadn't done anything, you would never know, you know, that things could be as good as they are now. Oh no, we got some family drama here with the in-laws. 
Catherine, I feel like you'll be able to offer some advice. I've been with my partner for 10 years and we're due to get married. My partner's parents have always had a very different relationship to the one my parents have. They've been separated for a long time, but they've always got on for their kids' sake. His parents, however, obviously hate each other's guts. They talk about each other very negatively to my fiancé and me. They've been separated for 15 years, but they still can hardly stand to be in the same field as each other, never mind a wedding venue for the whole day. My father-in-law has been dating his current girlfriend for years. I actually think this relationship may have been one of his many affairs during his marriage. I'm also pretty sure my mother-in-law used to work with this girlfriend. The whole situation is very odd. During my 10 years with my fiance, I've always been told to hide any cards that also reference his dad's girlfriend, and I've never been allowed to mention her to his mom. It's not only my fiance telling me to hide the cards, but also his dad. I've grown very close to my mother-in-law. I hate having to lie to her all the time. She's clearly seen some cards before and has asked me about this woman's name. I've had to shrug this off or claim we don't know. It makes me feel so uncomfortable, especially now that my father-in-law suddenly doesn't want this woman to be a secret anymore, and he feels he should be allowed her as a plus one to, guess what, the wedding. I don't want to go behind my fiance's back and talk to his mom about this woman, but I'm an awful, awful liar. And I also feel that by lying, I'm making it into a bigger deal than it is. They've been separated for so long that it feels ridiculous to be forced to keep this secret. My fiance has met the girlfriend a few times, as have I, but has never asked any questions. He's made it very clear that he doesn't want her at the wedding, and this has upset his dad. So what would you do? Would you tell his mom if she asked? I know that she'll follow up with more questions, as I believe she already suspects. Would you let his dad bring his partner of 10 plus years? I would talk to my husband first and I would say, I don't want any drama at this wedding. This wedding is about us and about changing the ancestral path of trauma in your family. Do you know what I mean? Like your parents have some bullshit that I don't want vibing onto our new shit at this wedding. And we are going to live a healthy life either together or, you know, apart, it doesn't matter. We are going to have a healthy relationship, even if there's conflict and we're co-parenting when we're like 65, whatever. And for that reason, I will not mediate any of your parental bullshit at my wedding. And because remember, like, you're not just marrying him, you are marrying into this circus. So just know that. These in-laws, they are your in-laws for life and you're going to have to navigate these problems. So I would make that clear with my husband first. I would be like, this is not going to ruin my day. And then, I mean, I might say that uh, I might say to my husband that we should sit down and talk to his mom or maybe his dad first and just go, you have done a very unfair thing by asking me to keep a secret that is pulling me into your toxicity. I don't want to do that. You don't have to use words like that with the dad. The dad won't understand the way young people speak now. But just be like, I love you, even if you don't. I love you. Always like lead with the kindness. I just think it's very unfair for you to expect me to keep this secret. And if you want to bring your girlfriend to the wedding, then I am going to have to sit down first and have a conversation with my mother-in-law and everything needs to be out on the table. But you know what would be really good? If the two of you could 
as an apology for the last 15 years of your nonsense, if this mother-in-law and father-in-law could first sit down and iron their shit out so that you can have a nice wedding. Like it's, it shouldn't be on you at all. It's, you know, I wouldn't disinvite anyone. I would, I would say the dad should be able to bring his girlfriend and I would say the mom should be able to come, but I would definitely use this wedding as a catalyst for you not holding up their lives anymore. I mean, my parents also seem to really have problems with each other. And my mom will be listening to the podcast and she'll pipe up and be like, I don't have a problem with daddy. It's daddy who has a problem with me. But I know that it is stressful, even still thinking of like, oh God, what if they have to be in the same room with one another? And that only really happened once at my little sister's wedding and they behaved. And my dad's new partner of plus 15 years you know she's not a problem for my mom at all they didn't work together there are no lies there and my mom has been with Abe like from almost the beginning of their separation when I was 15 so I mean like it's all cool but they they do definitely hate each other and I mean parents sometimes need to be reminded that even if you're an adult you are the child in this dynamic and yeah if I were you, I would just refuse. I don't know how you're going to do it or when you're going to do it. This is family specific, but I would give my husband the heads up because that is the only healthy relationship that you have some control over. And then I would say, I'm not lying for anyone anymore ever again. The person who should explain all of this to your mother-in-law is her ex-husband. She chose to marry him. She chose to have kids with him. You just fell in love with one of those kids. The second person who should have responsibility talking to your mother-in-law is your husband. He is witness to their marriage. He is his father's son. The third person I think is you. If you really want to do it, then you can sit down and go, look, I have been asked to lie. I don't want to lie anymore. This is what's going on. This is who's going to be at my wedding. I'm sorry you had to hear it from me. But I sincerely hope that one of those men has the well, I mean chiefly the ex-husband but he probably won't but I mean it would be good if that could be taken out of your hands but certainly you are only enabling him if you continue to lie loads of replies by the way from solicitors from scorned mothers partners about the woman who wrote in the other week after her partner went to Australia or went somewhere and uh, got an Australian woman pregnant. I don't know who we got pregnant. It's been a long time in my life. I'm getting very old. I don't remember why I went into the kitchen, let alone where this asshole was when he cheated, but he cheated and he got someone pregnant. And here's one of the responses for this woman who feels, you know, all the very complex emotions that come when you have a child with someone who you thought was the love of your life, who's not only cheated, but who's got another woman pregnant. Firstly, I'm so sorry this has happened to you, but I just wanted to point out that it sounds like this guy essentially only told you about having cheated because of the consequences of finding out this woman was pregnant. He told you both things at once. This being the case, you have to stop seeing his emotion and regret about it as guilt. His emotion is about him getting caught and the things in his life having to change, which is purely selfish. I have my own experience with a pathological liar I was with for four years, and I also used to see his emotions when he had lied as a deep sense of guilt until I realized he'd never told me the things he lied about until they were impossible to hide or until I sussed out the holes in his stories. Sending lots of love and strength for the next few months. You will need it, but there is better out there. I am now with the perfect man who treats me with endless respect, and we are about to move in together. See, I love this. 
So many of us have been through something like that. And when they cry, listen to that Rihanna song. You look so dumb right now. Standing outside your house. I don't know all the lyrics, but this is pretty close. Trying to apologize. You're so ugly when you cry. Please just cut it out. I don't know if I'm allowed to sing the song legally. Don't tell me you're sorry when you're not. Baby, because the only reason you're sorry is you got caught. Oh, they can't sue me now because I fucked it up. You put on quite a show. Really had me going. Now it's time to go. I'm not going to sing it anymore because it's making people cringe. But (laughs) the longer it went on, I liked it. But listen to that song. You deserve better and better absolutely is out there. And it will be the worst year of your life coming up. But it is worth it for the best years that I promise you are to come. Oh, some co-parenting problems now. Catherine, I'm a single mom to a four-year-old boy and your stand-up material about co-parenting has helped me accept the responsibility of dealing with my ex-partner for the sake of my little boy when I would selfishly rather have nothing more to do with him. He is supposed to come and see our son fortnightly for about four hours. This is every two weeks. We will do this sporadically. He will keep this basic commitment for about four months and then will lapse for the next eight months of the year. He doesn't have any overnight stays as he lives in a van, and I have serious safety concerns about my son being in his care. While we were together, he sat on my son's head when he was 10 weeks old. He has a problem with smoking weed, and this contributes to his stupidity and poor decision-making. He now has a new baby with his new partner, and since then his visits have become more and more sporadic. He has canceled contact at very short notice due to going on holidays with his new family. I try to impress upon him how important it is that he's consistent and present in his son's life, especially as he's recently been diagnosed with autism and routine is important to his well-being, and he's noticeably unsettled and easily distressed after seeing his father. He's also unreliable paying maintenance toward my son's care. I'm trying to go through CMS, Child Maintenance Service, to get them to enforce him to contribute to his son's care, but they've been useless. They are so useless. If anyone is listening from Child Maintenance Services, can you please write me an email and let me know on the down low what the fuck is up? And I won't blame you because I know you're getting paid in like rice cakes. But why is it such a flaccid service? So the last that I know, and I took myself out of the game a while ago, but for a while I had this idea that I just, I thought it would be better for my daughter when she was 18 to turn around and know that this person contributed financially to her life and like to have this savings account, even if I wasn't going to touch it. Um, I did need it for a time in my life. Obviously, I don't need it now and I haven't needed it for a long time, but I still just wanted her to look back and be like, oh, he saved all this money for me and paid into this child. So, oh, that's great. But like, I can't engineer that. I can't control that. And even though CMS, so the, I don't know. So the last thing I know about them is it used to be with one organization and then it was moved to another organization. And the last I saw, it was the same branch of government benefits and assistance that deals with like disability benefits and then seeing your child is in the courts. It's like a whole different part of the system than the money. And the people dealing with the money 
just can't sort it out. Because even after a claim was decided for me, it was impossible to enforce it. So it's like, okay, like after all that. So I, I don't even care anymore. I just took myself out. But I'm lucky. I feel very blessed that I was able to see the inner workings of it, to be chewed up and spat out by that system that caused both of us nothing but grief, uh, my ex-partner and myself, because now I know what people go through. And you know, it's only by the grace of God that I don't need it, but so many people do. And it's almost impossible to get. And you hear men all the time being like, I'm being bent over backwards for child support. Okay, well, you're not playing the game right because you can easily dodge CMS. <laughs> easily. They are dumb as a brick. And like, quote me on that. So, I mean, but, but it's not the fault of the people who work there. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know whose fault it is. It is a flawed system from the inside. If you work there, honestly, email me at tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com and tell me why your organization is so shit. And I will not name you at all. I just want to know what's up. So I'm so sorry for your son because it breaks my heart that this little boy is stressed out and feeling, you know, all kinds of different emotions because his dad is not showing up regularly or not following through with his promised visits. But it sounds to me like you said that your son is noticeably unsettled and easily distressed after seeing his father. Maybe it's best just not to see this man. You know, it's like I spoke to a single mother the other day who was like, I will show up for you if you show up for your son. And she always had the, had the door open and she stayed in the same state as this man so that he could see his son. And he was routinely showing up and seeing his son. Um... But for the beginning, he like he something was up in the beginning where he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he grew up and started doing it. And she swallowed a lot of pride to just stand by and like take a job maybe she didn't want in that state and maybe not pursue everything that she wanted to and have the freedom that she wanted because she was like, I am keeping every opportunity open for you to see your son and then now they have a wonderful relationship and this man is the most incredible hands-on dad now and she has moved to a different state and followed her creative dreams and has the career that she always wanted and they share custody of this son but in the beginning you know it was tough going it sounds though like your ex is just getting worse and you're holding the door open for him even though he is not showing up he's really not showing up and God only knows what this baby is going through. I hope this he's grown up enough to be a suitable parent to this new baby that he had no business having with someone else when he can't even look after his son. But I mean, I think that he is an anchor weighing down you and your son, and you've given him every opportunity, but you know he's just not regularly showing up, and you need to decide, because only you know your son, I don't. You can talk about his dad and say nice things about his dad and do whatever you think makes sense for your son in context but I think these visits just need to stop you just need to move forward and do a routine that works for your son and I don't know how old he's four he's four oh god see like I just know from Fred like Fred needs his dad in his life so much he's just such a like he thinks his dad is the coolest person and not everyone needs two parents, but I mean, I think Fred certainly does. Like Fred likes Bobby more than he likes me most days. And Violet was never like that. Violet was very attached to me. Violet, of course, 
loves Bobby and she loves her biological dad and Violet loves her grandparents, you know what I mean? But she's been very deeply attached to me. And I think your son is probably like that with you. So he's got you, he can depend on you and more wonderful people will come into your life and his, but you need to call it, you know, there's no sense in being a hero for this man who's not showing up. And I think that there are children and your son might be an example of one who is better off in a single parent household, but that's not my call to make. Whoa, this one's tough. Catherine, do I need therapy? Yes, probably. I mean, if you can afford therapy, it never hurts. Please keep this anonymous. I am 35 and finding it really hard to love my mother. My mother wasn't kind to my sister or me as a child. My parents split when I was about eight, and my mother had a new partner straight away who was abusive from the offset. For some reason, my mother put him first constantly. We had a no pair because she went to sleep at his every night instead of looking after us. And when she could no longer afford the au pair, she would take us there and make us sleep on the couch, where I remember being woken up in the night by them all the time. A few times, my mother's partner threw us out of the house, and we sat in the garden for hours in the cold waiting to be let back in, with my mother not alone. We had a nice rental property not far away, so I never knew why we didn't just stay there for stability. I feel like my mom just didn't care about us, as she did so many unkind things, too many to list. Anyway, I could go on, but fast forward, and I'm so happy now. I have the perfect supportive partner and two lovely girls. I have a career I love as a midwife in the NHS. My mom is married to this dick of a man now, who I still think is an asshole. He chats shit all the time, and I feel I cannot be around him if I can help it. His favorite thing to chat about is how he thinks NHS... Oh... Staff are lazy and how we shouldn't complain about our workload because we get paid enough already? Uh, sir? Anyway, back to my mom. I feel like she's forgotten everything from when I was a child. She's kind to my children, which is the main thing, I guess. And she's kind to me now. And she wants to see us a lot. I see her now and then, mainly for the children, but I feel hesitant. Why should I let her see us whenever she wants, when she made no effort with me as a child and she didn't care about my feelings then? I've never brought it up with her, as I know she'll likely be in denial. I'm super chill and with my happy little family. I have a lovely life and I don't want any stress, but I can't seem to get over what my mother did and think about my childhood often. I was so unhappy then. Having children of my own has made me think even more about how she could, how could, how could she do this to us, and I just don't feel like I can fully forgive her. Your children should always come first in my eyes. My partner and I are also planning our wedding, and I do not want to invite my stepmother, stepfather. This will cause uproar, I'm sure, but I can't have him there. A lot of summer weddings and wedding thoughts and people being so selfless and generous and trying to find a way to accommodate or not to accommodate, but not to hurt the feelings of the loved ones of people who don't deserve to be at the wedding. Like it's a common theme right now. I am not British. So I'm going to have to put my culture to the side and try to give you advice based on the fact that you are British and people here just don't like to talk about things. If I had a problem with my mother, I would say it. And I think if my mother had a problem with me, she would say it. And I hope that if my children, which I'm sure they will, one day have a problem with me, then they will say it. We are a family of articulators, (laughs) oversharers, orators. I don't know how you're not talking to your mom about this. 
it seems so odd to me that to keep so many of these big feelings unspoken. Because really, you know, I'm going to take your mom's side for a minute and just a minute, so hear me out. Like, how can she properly make amends if, you know, maybe she's thinking you don't remember or maybe, you know, because your brain is a funny little computer and it protects itself and protects you. So maybe she's like, oh no, the girls had each other. They were fine. They weren't unhappy. And maybe, you know, like she thinks, oh, you have a beautiful family now, a partner, two girls of your own. You're about to get married. I think you do need to find a way. And maybe that is through therapy with a licensed therapist to be like, mom, I love you. You know, all that I know is that you lead with the good news first. You go, I love you. And I'm so happy that you make an effort to see us now and you love the girls and you're so kind to me and to them and you're such a blessing in our lives. But I feel like there's a distance between us. Maybe you've noticed it too. And if so, you're probably wondering why. Uh, You might remember this differently, but my truth And I'm not trying to attack you, but I just want you to know that I remember my childhood as being very unstable, very lonely. I felt rejected and replaced by this new partner, and it hurt me very deeply. I felt like, I don't know what you were going through at that time exactly, but I felt like you lashed out at us and you were very unkind a lot of the time, and I'm struggling to resolve this as an adult. You know, it doesn't need to be shouting, it doesn't need to be yelling or like attacking behavior, but I would put that on the table and just be quiet for a while and see how she responds. And it doesn't mean that you have to make a decision right away or forgive her on the spot. But she could come out with things like, oh God, I'm so relieved. You know, because our generation is still more open than your mother's generation might have been. So that's why you have to be the one to kick it off. And she'll go, yeah, like I was so unhappy at that time too. And I, I felt so insecure because of the divorce. And then I met this guy and he he made me feel better and I just wanted to be around him all the time because I was so stressed and I was so sad and I thought it would be better if an au pair looked after you because I know I was lashing out all the time. I was so stressed out and tired and unhappy with myself. Like who knows what the fuck she's going to say. But your mother loves you and absolutely loved you then and I'm so sorry that she didn't show it appropriately but you deserve closure. You deserve to have this conversation with her. And then your mother needs to know, like, listen, this guy was an asshole and he still is now. And I'm sorry if that hurts you, um, but he is not coming to my wedding because I am in charge of setting the appropriate boundaries now for my new family. You know, like, don't ever be afraid to change the status quo of your family, to heal these ancestral wounds. Your mother might be inspired by you setting these boundaries. You might be like, yeah, do you know why he is an asshole? I'm really scared to be alone again because of you know how difficult it was the first time around. But wow, even my daughter is strong enough to go, I don't want him at my wedding. And guess what? Maybe I don't want him in my life anymore either. Or like maybe she'll stand up to him about how he chats shit about the NHS and thus forth, you know? You create the boundaries and the lifestyle and the treatment that you deem is acceptable for yourself, your partner, your family. This is why I don't talk to my auntie anymore. I love her. I think she's a great person. She does have some demons and addiction issues, whatever. You might have read about this in my book, The Audacity, which is available now. I'm not trying to sell it to you. I'm just going to tell you what's in it if you don't have time to buy it. Um, I just didn't want her behavior. I had enough. I didn't want that behavior ever. Not one time, not 10 times. 
in front of my husband, in front of my children, and I decided to change the path of what so much of my family had tolerated for so many years with regards to verbal, emotional abuse, and alcoholism. And I went, no, good luck to you. I love you so much. You you were wonderful to me many times in my childhood, but you were also a prick many times in my childhood, and you're still a prick to me now. I can't um, predict your behavior, and some of your behavior is absolutely unforgivable, and I'm not going to have my small children called the names and treated the way that I have been by you. And if you haven't sorted it out now, you're never going to sort it out. So good luck, live well and prosper, not for my family though. And that's what I did. And that's what you can do. You can cut anyone you want out and you might take the stronger people with you. You might inspire your mother by doing that. Do not apologize for not having this man at your wedding. Yes, you need therapy. And I believe you can sort this stuff out with your mom, but you need to be heard and then you need to listen to what she has to say as well. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. You can always write me a letter, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I will be going to Monster Jam this Saturday, not as a monster truck, just as a spectator like you. It is Saturday at the London Stadium. I was so fortunate to go there today with Bobby and Fred and see the special press day unveiling of the new Marvel monster trucks. They are so cool. There's a Black Panther one, a Spider-Man one, an Iron Man one, and what was the other one? Some type of like hawk? I forget. It was really cool looking though. And I hope that it's not too loud for Fred. So there are still a few tickets available. If you go, bring your little girls and boys, get some ear defenders, and I might see you there. Have a lovely week, and I'll definitely see you next week. Sorry about last week. It won't happen this week. I've just been busy. I have some exciting things coming out, and I hope you love them. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com